You're listening to the Seabreeze Church Podcast. Well, good morning. It's great to see everybody today. Um, Bevan, just a minute ago in the um, announcements, he talked about our mission statement, thoughtfully inviting broken people to experience transformation in Christ. And this series that we're in, Transformation in Christ, that phrase comes from the mission statement. And it turns out that transformation in Christ is not a magical thing. It doesn't just happen magically. We're not passive. We actually engage in the process. We have a role to play in seeing the change in our lives happen that God wants to see happen. And so starting last week and then for the next few weeks, we started looking at a tool that's referred to as the wheel. And the wheel is a very, very helpful tool. I was introduced to this when I was in college, I think is when I was first introduced to this. And through the years, I found it really, really helpful. I know a lot of other people have as well of just kind of thinking through what are the what are the kind of the main categories that I can focus on, some of the practices that I develop in my life, some of the realities of what it looks like to follow Jesus and to grow with him over time. And so last week we started looking at this and we looked at the hub of the wheel. The hub of the wheel is Christ. He's the center, the foundation. That's where the power comes from on a wheel. All the power is generated through the hub. And Christ is the power source of our lives. A helpful verse on this is in the book of Galatians, it says this, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What it's describing is when you decide to follow Jesus, you get a new power source on the inside. Like it says in this verse, it says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And so then the rest of your life, once you get that new power source on the inside, the rest of your life is figuring out how to rely on that new power source instead of relying on yourself. So from the point that you make that decision and you get the power source, the rest of your life is figuring out, okay, I've, I've spent my whole life relying on me, my understanding, my abilities, my power, how I see things. Now I've got to shift and I've got to learn how to rely on Jesus, this new power source that I have. So Christ is the hub of the wheel. The rim of the wheel is obedience. Obedience is what makes the, rim, the wheel turn. As you take the things that are taught in the Bible that God instructs us to do and you put those into practice, the wheel starts to turn and you start to grow. Now the implication of the rim being obedience is if we ignore the things that God has said to do, if we don't put into practice the things that the Bible is clear about and the the ways that God wants us to live and interact with people, the values that he wants us to have, if we ignore those things, then what's going to happen is we're not going to grow. We're not going to move forward. Just because we have the new power source, we have to learn to rely on it, and we learn to rely on that as we grow in obedience. So this week and next, we're going to start looking at the spokes, and we're going to look, um, this week and next, we're going to look at the two vertical spokes. The vertical spokes of the wheel are the Bible and prayer. And these are the vertical spokes because they represent how we relate to God. So the top spoke is the Bible, that's how God speaks to us, and then the bottom spoke is prayer, that's how we speak to God. And so this week, we're going to talk about the importance of developing a regular pattern of spending time reading the Bible, spending time putting yourself in a position so that you can hear from God. Now for me, I learned to um, spend regular time in the Bible when I was in high school. I was, a, um, I was part of a good church. I had a, there was a good student ministry similar to the one that we have here. 
And one of the things that they talked about a lot was spending time regularly reading the Bible. And for me, that was over 20 years ago. So I've been reading the Bible for quite a while. And in that span of time, there have been a lot of other books that I've read as well. A lot of, you know, fiction books, history books, even books that are religious in nature, a lot of other books that I've read. What's interesting is I, I usually only read a book one time. Maybe if it's really good, I'll read a book two times. But consistently reading a book over a span of 20 years, that's something that I've only done with the Bible. So I've been reading the Bible for a, a really long period of time. And I haven't just read the Bible. I've actually spent a lot of time studying the Bible. I've spent time studying individual books. The Bible, we refer to it as one book, but it's actually a collection of 66 separate books. So over the span of time since I decided to follow Jesus, I've, I've sat down and I've studied some of those individual books. And then I, after I got my bachelor's degree, I went and got a master's degree, and I got it in theology. So what we did was we studied the content found in these books in the Bible. And one of the things that I did is I, um, I studied um, the Greek language. The New Testament is written in Greek. It's actually a Koine Greek is what it's written in. So as I was studying that language, I took one of those books in the New Testament and I translated it from Greek into English. So I've spent a ton of time not only reading the Bible, but also studying the Bible. So then as I was sitting down and I was thinking through, okay, 2023 is coming. What, what are some things I can do to focus on this next year? Some things that when I get to the end of the year and we're turning the page on 2023, moving into 2024, I want some things to be said about me or some things to be true about me or some things I want to grow in. So I was kind of sitting down and I was making my list. And one of my personal goals for 2023 is I actually want to grow in the amount of time that I spend reading the Bible. And you think about that, and it's like, whoa, Elliot, dude, you've been doing this for 20 years. You've studied books. You've translated some of them. Like, why in the world would you spend more time reading this book that you've already read way more than any other book or studied more than any other book that you've ever read? Well, let me share with you why I'm doing this. The reason that I've spent all this time and the reason that I'm planning to spend more time is because I have a conviction, and here's the conviction, I'm convinced that God speaks through the Bible. God speaks through the Bible. And notice I didn't use the past tense. I didn't just say God spoke through the Bible. I do believe that God has spoken, and I've, I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced that God has spoken in the past and his words are recorded in the Bible. But I'm also convinced that in the present, in the year 2023, in Southern California, where we live, this book that was written 2,000 years ago, God uses this to speak to us in the present. And because I'm convinced that that's true, that when I sit down and I spend time reading my Bible, that God will speak to me in my situation personally, because I'm convinced that that's true, what that does is that motivates me. That motivates me to get up early in the morning, to set my alarm clock, to actually, you know, I start making the coffee the night before. So then the alarm clock goes off, and I kind of, you know, I walk into the kitchen, and I turn the coffee maker on, and then I sit down, and I spend time reading my Bible before my kids get up. Because I, I know what's going to happen when my kids get up. I'm not going to be able to read my Bible. But it motivates me to build this pattern and actually set goals to do it more. Because I have this conviction that today, God can speak to me as I spend time reading his word. And I have this conviction for a few reasons. There's a few things that have built this conviction into me. The first reason is because the Bible claims this. If you spend time 
reading through the Bible, you'll see this claim in the Bible, not just that God has spoken, but that in the present, God will speak to us. This isn't an exhaustive list, but let me just give you a few examples. One is found in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. God is speaking, and what he's saying is he's saying, hey, when the rain falls, what's the next thing that happens? Plants grow. So he's kind of pointing to these natural processes. And then God says this in verse 11. He says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Now I have four kids, and something that I've had to come to terms with as a parent is every time I tell my kids to do something, they don't always do it. I've had to come to terms with the fact that a lot of times I'll say something and then my words will return to me empty. (laughs) Nothing happened. But it says that that's not true of God's words. It says they won't return to him empty. His words are purposeful, but there's also power in them. So when he spoke them, they didn't just end, their impact didn't stop, but they continue to have impact. Another verse in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, says this. It says, for the word of God is alive and active. It's living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The idea is that God's word is always working. And the power and the impact of his word, it didn't die off with the people or the culture that it was originally spoken to. It didn't die with the language that it was originally written in. It's continued through cultures, through the generations, through languages, over periods of time, through societies. It's still alive and active. And the reason that that's true, the reason that it can be said of this, these words, that these words are alive and active, is because these are not merely human words. These are God's words. So that's why you find a verse like this, 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. You know, a lot of times people think, well, the Bible, you know, it's got good morals, you know, and it's got some history in it that we can learn from, but it's really just a collection of people's experiences and different ideas about God. But that's not what the Bible claims about itself. The Bible claims to be God's words. It's God-breathed. And that means that when we sit down and read it, we don't just sit down and read it saying, oh, maybe I'll learn something interesting from history, or maybe I'll, you know, get some, you know, fascinating philosophical idea. When we sit down to read it, what we're doing is we are reading the very words of God that he decided to be recorded for us. So instead of it just being, black words on white paper, suddenly it's, this is an opportunity for me to hear God speak as I sit down and read these God-breathed words. So part of the reason that I have this conviction that when I sit down and I read my Bible, God will speak to me is because the Bible claims that that's what's going on. But there's another reason that I have this conviction. A second reason that I have this conviction that God can and will speak to me as I read the Bible is the result of personal experience. I've experienced this. I can can think to times when I've sat down to read the Bible and God has very clearly spoken to me about something going on in my life, something that he wanted me to do or be aware of or take action on. 
I can think of multiple times that this has happened. One time that this happened for me that was um, very vivid, actually probably, um, it's not the most powerful one, but it, at that point, it was the most powerful time that God had spoken to me was when I was in college. When I, um, kind of between my, my sophomore and junior year, over that span of time, there was a few different things that had happened that had led me to be kind of be, be really disoriented about what was going on in life. I had I had made some decisions. Um, there were some things that I thought were going to happen in the future that ended up not working out. I had changed my major. That was pretty disorienting. And so there were several different things that kind of led me thinking, like, what in the world's going on? And as a result of that, I was confused about the future. I was really un- unhappy with how my life was going in the in the present, and actually I got into a pretty dark place emotionally. One of those places where when you get into it, people start asking you how you're doing. Like people that don't even know you that well are like, hey, are, are you doing okay? So I was in one of those spots, and I um, already had this habit of reading the Bible, and so I had kept it up, but I was reaching a point where I was like, what's, what's the point? I don't, I don't get the point of doing this anymore. I mean, God's not speaking to me. I don't see any real value in sitting down and reading my Bible daily. So I almost gave up on it, and actually a friend who checked in on me to see how I was doing, they encouraged me to keep doing this. And so I sat down um, one morning, and um, I was in my dorm room, and I opened my Bible, and as part of, part of what I read that morning, I read this in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verse 17. It says this. It says, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. The lamb is a reference to Jesus. So Jesus is at the center of the throne. He's ruling. He's king. The the lamb, Jesus, at the center of the throne, will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. When I read that, it was as if everything came to a stop, and God spoke directly to my heart. And what he said was, he said, Elliot, you need to keep following me. I'm completely aware of what you're experiencing and how you feel but you've got to trust me because I've got a plan and it's going to turn out to be good. And it was like everything came to a stop. All the things that were going on in my life, I suddenly had clarity. There wasn't confusion. There weren't these questions, but it was, I had this piece of, I can trust God. And when that happened to me there in my dorm room, you know, the words on the page, they didn't start, suddenly start shifting and coming into some new form. Like the verse didn't change. The verse was what was written. Nothing started glowing. There wasn't like this angelic, hum that started happening in the room is you know there wasn't anything weird like that and just so you know I mean I'm talking about being in college there were no substances or chemicals involved okay it was me in my dorm room reading my bible and God spoke to me and that was to that point the most clarifying and calming experience I had ever had That experience of God speaking to me through that verse was as real as I am here on stage and you're sitting in front of me. Without a doubt, I knew exactly what that was. So there have been times that I've sat down to read God's word, and I've had a very powerful encounter where God's spoken to me. But something that I've learned is as I've walked with God, is I've learned that these dramatic experiences, these aren't the normal way of God speaking to us. Actually, a more, a more helpful way for me to think about it of how God regularly speaks to us is to compare it to different types of conversations that I would have with my wife. I know it's not a perfect comparison, but it, it helps me to kind of make sense of the different ways that God speaks. You know, sometimes when I talk to my wife, Allie, and we have a conversation, sometimes it's more 
task-related in nature. We'll sit down and we'll talk, and it's about the different things that we need to accomplish or the different things we're working on, or maybe it's immediate, like today I need to do these three things, or we'll talk about, okay, over the next few months, here are some things that are going to happen, so things that we need to be aware of. So sometimes it's task-related. There's other times that we have conversations, and it's just reviewing the events of the day. We talk about what happened, and when we do that, and we just kind of review the events, that's an opportunity for me to learn what's important to my wife, to listen to her and hear what's on her mind and the things that stood out to her and the things that she values. There's other times that we have conversations, and they're a little more uncomfortable. They're difficult. You know, I become aware of something that I've done or something about me that needs to change or an area that I need to grow in. So sometimes the conversations are difficult and uncomfortable. And then there are those times, they're not all the time, but there are those times that we'll sit down and we'll have a conversation and it just brings joy. You just walk away from it and you're like, that was just so fun. That was great. I mean, it was, it was an interesting conversation. We, we laughed. We talked about different things that were meaningful. And you just walk away really encouraged by the conversation. And I found that it's a really similar thing that happens when we develop a practice of regularly reading our Bible to hear from God. There are some times that you're going to sit down and you're going to read your Bible, and this happens for me, where it's going to be more task-related. You're going to sit down, and God's going to reveal to you something that you need to do. So actually, for me, just this last week, I was reading in the book of Nehemiah. It's one of the um, books in the Old Testament. It's a story about the people coming out of exile, and they're returning to the city of Jerusalem, and they're doing the work of rebuilding things. And there's this um, portion in one of the passages where it says that it describes what happened, then it says that Nehemiah got angry. And then right after it says he got angry, it says, but he took time to think about it. And that stood out to me as I read it. And I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. He didn't just react based on his anger. You know, he got angry, he encountered this thing, but then he took the time to think about it before he made any decisions, before he reacted. So that stood out to me. So as I was reading through it, I have a notebook that I kind of used in my readings, and I made a note of that, and then I kind of went through my day. Later that day, I encountered a circumstance where all of a sudden I started to get really angry on the inside, and what popped in my head was what I had just read that morning in the book of Nehemiah, and what God was doing is he was using that reading to kind of say, hey, Elliot, this is something you're going to encounter later this day. You need to pay attention to this. So then when I encountered that situation where I started to get angry, I remembered that, and instead of saying anything or reacting, I was like, okay, I just need to calm down. I need to take some time and think about it before I say anything. So sometimes it's more task-related, where God makes you aware of something that's going to come. There's other times where I'll read and I'll learn about what's important to God. I'll learn about what he values, the things that he says are significant, and then that's an opportunity for me to say, okay, well, is that significant for me too? What are some things in my life that I might need to shift so that that's important to me, just like God says that's important to him? There's times where I'm reminded of how involved he is in the details of life. And when I'm reminded of, of his hand and his presence and how he's fully aware of everything that's happening and he's actually orchestrating events for our good, as I'm reminded of those things, then as I go through my day, it's easier for me to rely on him and to trust in him because he's reminded me that morning of how involved he is. And there are some times where I'll sit down and I'll read my Bible, and it's uncomfortable. It's difficult, because it'll point out something that I'm doing that's wrong. 
that's sin, that's not good, that I need to either confess and ask him forgiveness for, or maybe even there's times where I'll read something and I'll learn about something that the Bible says not to do, and then I'll think, oh, I, I just did that to that person earlier this week. Oh, no, am I going to have to go and ask them for forgiveness? I mean, there's times where it, it's uncomfortable because I'm confronted, but he's speaking. So sometimes it is this really dramatic, powerful experience where it's like the world pauses and God speaks to you directly. And then other times it's more subtle. But if you'll build a habit of regularly putting yourself in a position to listen to him, the Bible claims that he'll speak to you. And I can say from experience, God still speaks. So we develop this pattern so that we can regularly hear from him. One of the things that Andrew talked about last week, Andrew, our student pastor, as he kicked off this series, was he talked about how the wheel can be a diagnostic tool. And by a diagnostic tool, what I mean is you can kind of consider the different categories and then ask yourself the question, how am I doing? I mean, usually for me, I'll sit down and I'll draw a picture of the wheel and I'll consider the different categories. Usually I end up with an egg shape, not a wheel. So then I realize, okay, well, one of the reasons I'm struggling in life is, you know, I'm not really focusing on something. So I'll then I'll, it'll help me out. So when it comes to this area of the Bible and developing this pattern, the question I want to ask you is when was the last time you heard God speak to you as you read the Bible? When was the last time where you're like, yeah, when I sat down and I read the Bible on this day and this was going on in my life, God spoke to me. Now, I know some of you are brand new and you haven't developed this pattern. And for you, I'm, I'm like, this is so exciting. This, what, a, what an exciting opportunity for you to take this stuff that we're talking about and learning, put it into practice, and then develop a pattern of regularly hearing from God. So if you haven't done that, the future in front of you is very exciting. There's others of you who you've been a Christian for years, maybe even decades. So the question for you is, has God spoken to you lately? Is this, are you putting enough time into this and putting yourself in a position to hear from him? And if God hasn't spoken to you lately, then this is an area where you need to grow. Something needs to change. Something new needs to happen so that you can put yourself in a position to hear God speak. Sometimes it's dramatic ways, but often it's much more subtle. But if you listen and you put yourself in a position to hear from him, he will speak to you. That's what he does as we read the Bible. So now I want to shift and I want to talk about how to read the Bible. So if you're going to do this, if you're going to develop a practice like this, what could it look like? What are some things that you can do that will help you read the Bible? And these are, these are recommendations and principles that have really helped me through the years. If you're taking notes on your outline, this is where the fill in the blanks come. So the first one, as you read the Bible, you want to be consistent. Reading the Bible, you want to be consistent. It should become part of your regular daily schedule. I know a lot of people who have done those, um, those elimination diets. You know, they'll be trying to figure out if there's something that they're eating, some allergy or something they're doing that's, you know, affecting their body negatively. So they'll do those elimination diets. And they're on them for, you know, 30 days to three months, and then they begin to add food back in after they do um, the elimination. They kind of cut out, there's this whole list of kind of unhealthy foods you cut out, and you're only eating these very select healthy foods. And at the very beginning, it's always a big challenge. But then as they do this over time, something that's interesting is how their cravings change. 
And as they go through this diet, oftentimes at the end of it, their cravings for this healthier food that makes them feel good and they've experienced the benefits of, those cravings are sometimes stronger than the cravings that they had before. This is what it says in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. It says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. Spiritual milk is referring to the Bible, the Word of God. Crave the Word of God. So that by it, you may grow up in your salvation. The word crave here, it's an imperative. It's a command. It's something that is our personal, individual responsibility to develop. So to develop a craving, it just doesn't happen. You don't just, you know, well, I'll wait to crave it until I feel like it. No, it's like one of those diets. You've got to put in work to change your cravings. But over time as you do it, your craving will change. But let me ask you, how long does it take to develop newborn baby level cravings? Well, I know it takes more than a week. And I know it takes more than a month. You know, for me, like I said, I've been reading the Bible for over 20 years. And honestly, I don't always have newborn baby level cravings to read the Bible. But what I do know is the more I do it and the more I hear God speak and experience the benefit of taking the truths of this book and putting them into practice, the more motivated I am to do it. The more excited I am to get up early instead of it being a, oh man, it's a, okay, this is an opportunity for me to hear God speak. You got to put in the work to develop a craving. One of the ways you do that is you be consistent. A second thing, I recommend you being systematic. Systematic. Instead of just kind of bouncing around from different things, pick a book of the Bible, start with that, work your way through that book, and then pick another book. A great place to start is in the four biographies about Jesus' life Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are four biographies written about Jesus' life. Start with one of those four books. For me, there are times where I will do a focused study. Maybe there's a topic. Maybe I'm encountering a lot of conflict, and I'll ask the question, what does the Bible say about dealing with conflict? Or my wife and I will have a parenting challenge with one of the kids, and we'll talk about, okay, what are some things that we can do um, to really help the kids in this situation? So I will do more focused studies from time to time. And from time to time, I'll do um, different things that are referred to as devotions. Devotions are, you know, somebody else wrote some material based on their observations or their learnings from the Bible. So there are times that I'll read what, what other people kind of have to say and what they learned and do a devotion that way. And God does really use those to help me. But the majority of my time has been spent just working through the different books of the Bible, a very systematic approach. And as you do that in your personal life, one of the benefits that I've found, and I know you'll experience this as well, is when you do that, you're exposing yourself to a wide list of ideas that God can speak to you about a whole list of categories that if you're just kind of doing, well, I'm struggling with this thing, so I'm just going to study this, and then I'm going to study this. If you just kind of work your way through the different books, there's all different things that you're opening yourself up to for God to speak to you about. So you want to be consistent. You want to be systematic. And then as you're making your way through a book, here are some things to do. First one is you want to pray. You want to pray. As you sit down to read, pray. And then as you read, do your reading prayerfully. If you read something that you just don't understand, say, God, I don't understand this. Would you help me understand this? You want to be prayerful. So when I sit down and read, I'll try to start with, God, would you open my eyes to see different things that are going on? Would you speak to me? Would you help me to focus? Would you give me understanding? Again, these are not just black words on white paper. These are God's words. 
So start the conversation by asking him to speak. You start with prayer. The next thing is, is you observe. You want to take time to make observations. My recommendation is if you sit down to read the Bible, if you read a passage, like a portion of a chapter or maybe an entire chapter, read it two or more times. You want to take time to observe what's going on in the passage. This is a real challenge for us, I'll tell you, because we, we're in such an entertainment-driven culture. We're used to just kind of sitting down and letting the glowing screen just wash over us, and we're completely passive. So being an active reader who makes observations, that's a challenge. You've got to ask questions. What are the words that are repeated? What are the people that are mentioned? What are the, the references to time or the cities that are mentioned? What are, what are these different things? Make your observations along the way. The majority of my time when I spend reading is spent doing observation. So for me, I, I have this um, notebook. This is actually the notebook that I use when I read my Bible. And throughout it, what I'll do is I'll write down, I'll write down in the corner the date, and then I'll um, write down the passages that I read, and then I'll just make observations. And it's not clean, and I'm not expecting anybody to read it. I don't actually want anybody to read it, because you'll probably judge my handwriting and my spelling in some situations. But these observations, it's just ways for me, okay, here's what's going on, here's what I read. And then the next day that I go back and I read, before I start, I'll briefly review through those observations, kind of get my bearings on the passage before I dive back in. So you want to take time and make good observations. The next thing after you observe is you want to start to interpret. You got to interpret. What is this saying? What is God trying to communicate? Why would this happen? You want to begin to make interpretations. What I found is what often what people think is they think, oh, okay, well, these are God's words. Well, if I'm going to interpret it, then it's kind of like solving a riddle. It's this like mystical, weird thing. And so it's like, I, you know, they've got to like, you know, John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible. You know, they'll think, well, you know, John 3.16 talks about this. So let me go read all the chapter threes in the Bible and all the verse 16s and then come up with some theme. And they create this bizarre interpretation of what the Bible says. Don't do that. It's really not complex. It's pretty simple. If you do good observation, interpretation will come. This is something actually I want you to write down. Good observation prevents wrong interpretation. There are a ton of wrong interpretations that people have come up with that it's like, can we just read the chapter in context? And if we'll read it in context, we'll see that that's not what it says at all. So if you take the time to do good observation, that prevents wrong, uh, wrong interpretation. And when it comes for me, when it comes to interpretation, um, even after 20 years, of reading the Bible and studying it and getting a degree focused on the content of this book, I still read stuff today and I think, what in the world does that mean? I have no idea what that means. I don't know what's going on there. So what I'll do in my notebook is I'll make a note. I'll say, I have a question about this. I'll make a note, I'll jot it down, but I won't let it stop me from reading. I won't just say, oh, I encountered something confusing, so I'm not gonna read it anymore. No, I'll counter it. I'll make a note of that, and then I'll keep moving. And then either maybe I'll have time to sit down and answer that question in a study, or maybe I'll go to somebody who's wiser than me and ask them, hey, I read this, and it really confused me. What's going on in this passage? But don't let your confusion stop you from reading. Keep reading. Even if you don't understand it all, God can still speak to you. And that's, that's what we're doing. We're not trying to be like, okay, I'm going to be some Bible scholar because I'm going to do my doctoral dissertation on this book. It's, I'm sitting down to read this book because I want God to speak to me. 
So keep moving, keep reading. After you interpret, the next thing is you want to apply. You want to apply. That's, that's really the goal that we're after. We want to take this and we want to apply it. First Peter 2.2 2 again. It says, like newborn babies crave sper- pure sp- spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So that by it you may grow. It doesn't say so that by it you may know more about what it means to be saved. It's not the word know. It's the word grow. And if you think about it, knowledge is a requirement for growth. You do have to grow. You have to know if you're going to grow. But just because you know doesn't mean that you're going to grow. Let me say that again. You can't grow without knowing, but you can know without growing. So if you're going to grow, there's knowledge that you have to have. But just because you have the knowledge doesn't mean you're mature. I'm coaching my daughter's basketball team right now. And one of my goals is to help them grow as basketball players. So if they're going to grow as basketball players, there's a lot of knowledge. They've got to know the rules of the game. They've got to know the boundaries. They've got to know what a double dribble is, what traveling is, what out of bounds is, different rules about defense. They've got to know technique for shooting and passing and dribbling. And there's a lot of stuff that they have to know. But how I'm going to measure if they're growing as basketball players is not if they have all this knowledge, but are they able to take the knowledge and appropriately apply it on the court, in the game? Do they know how to take that knowledge and put it into practice? Same thing when it comes to spiritual life. It's not about what you know. It's a question of are you taking what you know and appropriately applying it through the flow of life in the given situations, the different moment-to-moment opportunities we have to apply it? That means that you can know a ton about the Bible. You can have all kinds of knowledge about the Bible. But if you don't put it into practice, you're not mature and you're not growing. So it's not just sitting down to say, hey, how do I know more? It's sitting down to, I want to learn this so that I can take it and put it into practice. Like First Peter says, again, it says, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow. You grow as you apply. So as you read the Bible, you want to be consistent. You want to work through it systematically. Pray, observe, interpret, and apply. Again, this has become a regular practice of mine because I'm convinced that when I sit down and I read my Bible, it's an opportunity for God to speak to me. So a next step from today, something I would encourage you to do, and a way that you can put into practice what we just talked about, we have these little booklets. They're called Quick Start Guides. So it's a quick start guide to reading the Bible. And what this is, is this will take you through the first four chapters of the book of Mark. Mark is one of the biographies about Jesus' life. It's the shortest one. It's only 16 chapters. This will take you through the first four chapters. There's nine days of reading. So we broke those four chapters up into, into sections. So when you read a passage in here, the passages are actually in here, you'll read it. It encourages you to read it two or more times. So you'll take time to read it. You do your observations. Then it's got a series of questions, really basic questions. What does it say? What does it say about God? What does it say about man? What, is it, what does God want me to do with this? Four really basic questions that will help you make the observations, do good interpretation, and then take it and apply it in your life. And it's called a quick start guide because it's not going to take you through the whole book of Mark, just the first four chapters. And the idea is that you start to learn a process, kind of what could this look like for me, and then you take it and you apply it through the rest of the book of Mark. So we'll get you 25% of the way there, and then you apply it to the other 12 
chapters in Mark, and you go through all 16 chapters in the book of Mark doing this and put yourself in a position to hear God speak to you. And then when you wrap this up, we'll move on to another book. There's a lot of books in there. Just move on to a book and do it again. So if you want to grab one of these, which I encourage you doing, these are outside on different resource centers that we have. So we've got these wood structures outside, these little resource centers. These are on them. There's one outside on the patio, one in the courtyard. After we sing our final song and you're on your way out this morning, I would encourage you to grab one of these and then this week start the practice of regularly spending time in God's word so that you can hear him speak to you this week. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that this book, the Bible, is not just a bunch of dead words that describe what happened in the past. And they're not just a collection of different people's ideas and different ideas about philosophy or kind of things that we should view as important or different teachings on morals. But these are your words to us, and today you can speak to us. God, I thank you for that. I thank you for the fact that our faith can be real and experienced in the moment as we follow you. And one of the ways that happens is as you speak through your word. So God, I pray that as the individuals of this church, we would make this a high priority to regularly take the time to position ourselves to hear you speak through your word. I pray that you would allow that to happen. And then I pray that as we do sit down and read, I do pray that you would speak and we would listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Seabreeze Church Podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, seabreezechurch.com. Thanks again for listening in, and we hope you'll join us next week for the Seabreeze Church Podcast.